0: Welcome to another episode of Doubtfully Daily Matagot, a short podcast never longer than it needs to be where I get to discuss whatever happens to be on my mind, and today it is energy. Yesterday I was listening to an episode of Phone Boy Speaks, episode 1328 to be specific, where he's talking about how easy it is um, to have a green podcast. Um, Well, that wasn't specifically what he was talking about, but one of the themes or one of the issues that was raised was just how much energy goes into creating a podcast or creating a bunch of things. Um, and I've had conversations like this with people over the last couple of years um, with regards to a lot of things involving technology. And a lot of times, the people who have, from experience, anyways, the people who have um, the most vocal concerns with how much energy is being consumed by computers and things of that sort also have no understanding of how much things actually cost. And to to prove the point, um, I'm going to share some numbers with regards to how much I spend on supporting the technology infrastructure that goes into my house. Now, I am not the typical computer user. I work from home. I write software that's used on a global scale um, for education and things of that sort. And um, as a result, I have and I also do website hosting and things like that. So I have a bunch of stuff in my house that most people do not. So I have three servers in my house. I've got a database server, a web server, and a file server. These things consume a good amount of power. I've got UPS is connected to that, the Uninterruptible Power Supplies, and these things are just essentially big batteries and power surge, uh, power protection and things like that. I've got a couple of notebooks. So my main workstation is a relatively recent uh, MacBook Pro. I've also got a, um, also relatively recent, it's uh, three or four years old now, but a uh, Lenovo Carbon X1. And In addition to that, there is an external monitor. I've got uh, two tablets that are used for testing purposes and things like that. There are phones in this house. There is a lot of equipment that goes into my day to day. And one of the interesting things is because of uh, my home being relatively new, I know how much power is being drawn from each circuit. Um, And I can break this down by day if I want to. It's not really a fully smart house, but I do get the the ability to query. Essentially, I I can query the circuit box and see how much power is being drawn by a given circuit at any given time. So last month and all of the dollars I'm going to talk about, I get charged in yen um, since I live in Japan, but all of the money is being converted to US dollars as of today's exchange rate, just for the sake of clarity, because most people know how much an American dollar is worth. Um, the Japanese yen, I don't think a lot of people know the exchange rate for that off the top of their head. So just for electricity, in the month of February, the 28 days of February, I paid $64.57, and that was for all three servers, the notebooks, the external monitors, um, all the peripherals get plugged into the computer as they're needed, whether it's a, a printer or this microphone, headphones, um, like th- these things, you plug them in, unplug them. So $64.57. For the network itself, now this is uh, the cost of the bandwidth. Well, I don't get charged for bandwidth, but this is the cost of uh, the internet um, as well as the um, the, the fiber modem and things of that sort, which is running in a separate circuit, um, that came to $55.89 for power and the cost of the internet plan itself. So that's not a great deal of money when you really sit down and think about it, because this works out for electricity. It works out to $2.31 per day, um, and that's average. But mind you, on the weekends, I'm not using my workstation. I'm not using the external monitor. I'm not using um, the notebooks or the machines as much. The servers are not working as hard. They're still doing things every single day, but they're not doing things as hard because when I do things for the day job, I work my machines. They don't get to take a break. They're always doing something. So $2.31 a day well, that's not too bad. And then the network is $2 a day. And this is for all the transfers and everything, which is true for 10 centuries. It's true for a, a bunch of the stuff that I still do for clients. It's true for all of my work. Um, and the thing is, the amount of bandwidth that I'm moving for work is remarkably stupid. Um, in, in the month of February, I transferred 837 gigabytes just for things for work. And then for 10 centuries and whatnot, it was a heck of a lot less. It was uh, 47.3 gigabytes of data for all of the web stuff that I do for clients and 10 centuries. So, vast difference between the two. So, this works out to about $2 a day. So, for $4 a day, and then divide that by 24 hours, and it really doesn't come down to a whole heck of a lot of money. Like, just the cost of electricity to create a podcast, this podcast, um, I spend maybe an hour believe it or not. um, I spend about an hour for an episode. It's not an hour recording, but there's the recording bit. And then after that, there's post-processing. There's a quick typing up of show notes and and getting things in a publishable state and things of that sort. And it comes out to about an hour per episode. Um, Not a ridiculous amount of money, or pardon me, a ridiculous amount of time. And also not a ridiculous amount of money. works out to about 10 cents. So The total cost of making a podcast is irrelevant. And the total cost of doing a lot of things with technology is irrelevant. If somebody wants to use their computer for eight hours a day on Facebook, the power consumption is irrelevant. It's going to work out to less than 50 cents a day at most. Um, I really don't see what the issue is. So what I generally come back with when people are talking about how much money is being spent on power and things of that sort. It's like, well, well number one, we're not all mining Bitcoin. Um, Bitcoin and, and other cryptocurrencies do consume a remarkable amount of energy and I think that's what a lot of people are conflating when they think about the power that technology is using. They're, they're hearing these numbers about Bitcoin and Ethereum and whatnot and they're expecting all technology used to be as wasteful. and that's not at all the case not one bit. What is wasteful, however, um, actually isn't anything that we do as everyday people. Um, In in the average house, we don't waste a whole heck of a lot of power anymore. People are using LED lights and uh, not everybody, but a lot of people are using LED lights, which use far less power than the previous incandescent lights. Our televisions are no longer CRTs; they're now flat-screen displays. People may be leaving the air conditioner on a lot more than they did 25 years ago, Um, but even then, it's not it's not a waste of energy per se. The greatest amount of waste that we have as a society is not what people do in their houses; it's what people expect from factories. So. Right now we see factories all around the world, particularly in uh, countries such as India and China, just manufacturing millions of things. And then that's being shipped around the world. So that when we go into a store, we're looking for a thing, we can find that thing and we can buy it same day and walk home with it or drive home or whatever. That's where all of our waste is going. If, we are serious, if we as a species are serious about reducing the amount of energy that we are consuming, then what we really need to do is get away from having pre-built things. Everything must be made when we need it. We need to go back to what we had 200 years ago, before factories were commonplace. So if we need a cup, we have to go and order a cup and wait for someone to make that cup. And then ship that cup to us so that we can then use that cup to drink our coffee and that's what we have to do um, otherwise what we're doing is we're saying to manufacturers okay yeah go ahead make a million cups and then send them all over the place will they be used well maybe for something as as simple as a cup and as important as a cup like yeah well, i guarantee these things are going to be used but what about all the crap that we see at dollar stores that May or may not get bought. What happens with those when nobody buys them? Well, it goes back to the manufacturer, or it gets sold off at a ridiculous rate, and people don't see any value in it, and so they destroy it. They get rid of it. They throw it into the ocean. Like this is really where all of our waste is going. It's going into manufacturing things that we don't particularly need right now. And when I bring this up with people, when I bring this up with The very few activists I can actually talk to, um, without being shouted down for not being a fervent believer, Um, you know. Generally, they say, "Yeah," but it's too much for us to do, and we like the convenience. They're not that honest, but what people are, what people generally say is that they like the convenience of going to a store and saying, "Oh, look, here's a little knickknack." That I think I might need. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. I'm going to buy it and I'm going to take it home. Or I already have ten cups. Here's an eleventh, and I like this one because it's blue. It's like, well, what's wrong with the other ten? It's not like you're. It's not like you don't have any cups. It's just you don't have that particular blue one. And this, this really is the thing that we need to change. And I understand it's incredibly difficult because a lot of the world, as we understand it, is very much consumer focused. And if we reduce the number of things that we are buying and creating um, when there is no particular need for it, if we reduce that, then a, a lot of factory jobs will go away. And if a lot of factory jobs go away, then more people will be out of work. And if more people are out of work, then it just it's just a downward spiral. Now, I'm not suggesting that we should maintain the status quo just for the sake of jobs, just for the sake of economic prosperity. It's not about the money per se, it's about ensuring that people have the means to take care of themselves. But we also need to be a little more honest about where the bulk of our waste is going. And it's not creating a podcast, it's not sitting in front of YouTube for eight to 10 hours a day, although that's a waste of time, not so much energy. it's It's not a lot of these things that activists are demanding people do. If I leave if I leave the kitchen for thirty seconds, no, I don't need to turn the light off. That's ridiculous. How much energy am I going to save? Zero point zero 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 five cents? I don't care, and nobody should have to care. The amount of energy that's being produced around the world is remarkable, and the amount of energy that I waste is minuscule. I'm not suggesting that we should all just, you know, turn the air conditioners on full blast and open the windows. That's excessive, but we need to stop browbeating people for what is perceived as unnecessarily wasteful in the grand scheme of things. If we're going to do things, we need to look at the bigger picture, and we need to say where is the bulk of a problem coming from, and what are the possible solutions to that problem, and then work towards solving those issues. Going after the little nitpicky thingies, all you're going to do is make enemies, and there are enough of those in the world we don't need to be creating anymore.